Welcome to the Prophecy Club. I've got two people in studio with me. I've got David Phillips, and he is worked with Prophecy Club part-time for seven or eight years. You've probably heard him on the radio with me from time to time, and he is going to be doing more and more work with Prophecy Club on the radio. And then Brandon Fornoy out of Abilene, he's a plumber, and he is also a purple shirt. Purple shirts are the ones that are assisting with the meeting behind the tables and assisting the ministers and things like that. David sat out in the audience as an audience participant. So today we're going to talk about the final evening. So this was the evening that we were all looking for sevenfold miracles, though we didn't know what a sevenfold miracle was. At the time, I think we didn't realize that God had already delivered at this particular crusade, what he wanted to deliver, deliver, I still think that this crusade was, as my phrase says, that God has called me to build an army of end-time prophecy teachers working miracles. This was really ministry training for these people. So I talked, went through a PowerPoint, and I explained about why we feel like this is the time. We're looking for sevenfold miracles, though we don't know what they were. We talked about how, well, we did everything that we needed to do to put ourselves in the right position. Kind of like Jesus says, tarry in the upper room. So they tarried in the upper room. They did what he told them to do. In our case, we fasted three days. We invested a $222 Isaiah 22:22 seed. We believed in Demetri Dudem's message. We came in and we had all been anointed with oil to become a prophecy student and a sevenfold walker and worker of miracles. Those that weren't baptized in the Holy Spirit became so. We all got water baptized. We have done everything. So this is the final night. We've done everything we can do, but we can't make sevenfold miracles happen. So we were praying that sevenfold miracles would, in fact, show up that night. Now, the problem is, is we didn't know what sevenfold miracles would look like. So we didn't know if they would be just like popcorn, start going off in the audience or what. So I went through my talk, and at the end of the talk, Pastor Missy had a word from the Lord. So we got up and delivered that. And then also, Marie Scalar got up and brought a little bit of his vision that he had after being in the water baptism pool and life-changing experience for Marie Scalar there. And then we just started healing lines, and there was a bunch more healings. But... What I wanted to get to is after the after. <laughs> so after the whole meeting was over, all of the ministers went up to our uh, suite, which was provided for us for free by the Hyatt, since we had organized the meeting and everything. Which, by the way, the Hyatt loved the meeting. And they loved the people there, and they came to me the next morning in no uncertain terms. And they said, we want to work with you guys. We love you guys. They said, we want to work with you in no uncertain terms. We love you guys. We love what you're doing, and we we want to have you back. We What do we have to do <laughs> to have you back? We, we just love what you're doing. I said, well, we love you too, Hyatt. I mean, you were great to us. Great food, great people, great service, great rooms. I mean, even down to the pillowcases and the pillow sheets and the towels and the cleanliness and the whole thing. We were very, very pleased, very pleased. And I heard many compliments on the food and the staff and everything, everything. Anyway, so so now let's go back up. So the meeting is over. So the six ministers 
are in our uh, presidential suite. And we talked until 3 o'clock in the morning. And it was like one person was, was, was almost talking. It's almost like there's two conversations going on at once. We, I've, I've, never, I've never experienced this before to where six ministers are so excited about a meeting that they had been in that they'd never seen anything like this before. So I'm, gonna, I'm not real good at recapping conversations, but I'm going to try to recap some of the conversations I heard. Like divorce, Sklar turns, she says, okay, this Holy Ghost huddle you guys do. I've never seen that. I just love that. I think that's so great. She says, like, I've seen conferences do this where they, they have their menu all written out and they're going to go through this, what, who's going to be speaking, this, how long they're going to be speaking. And even though it gets off, even though it gets to areas where the Holy Ghost really didn't want them to go, that's not what he wants them to do. He says, they just follow the menu. They, they got to follow the schedule. She says, I just love it how at any minute, any one of our ministers can call for a Holy Ghost title and all of a sudden everything stops. You guys have a Holy Ghost title and you decide, do we keep going? Do we change what we're going to do? She says, I love how you follow the Spirit. And Maurice Scalar, so he looks over at me and he, he, he looks directly at me. He says, Stan, he says, as you know, I, I mean, he says, this little violin that I play uh, as God told me, has pried me into almost every kind of meeting, even meetings that are not even Christians. So for 25 or 30 years, I have been into all kinds of meetings with this little violin. And he said, as a result, I have seen the underbelly of Christianity. I have seen ministries and ministers that did not do it right, that took advantage of their people, that held meetings just to make money. And they just threw out hearts and flowers and just fluffed and glitter, but they didn't give their people really anything. It was all about money and selling books and products and things like that and taking offerings. But I want to say that I think that you, Stan, and your wife, Leslie, have the most pure heart of any minister, any ministry team. And it's not just you. It's your whole staff. You're, I mean, your praise and worship team, the whole thing. He said, they have the most pure heart I've ever seen. And he says, I absolutely love you. I love what you're doing here. I've never, ever seen a crusade put together or any kind of meeting like this. I've never seen the Holy Ghost flow like this. I've never, he says, I got a change. I got a life change here. And he said, that's hard to do with me because, you know, for 30 some odd years, I've lived in meetings like yours. He says, but I saw it. I got a meeting change. I, 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 I got a life change. And he says, and I want to be a part of everything that you're doing in the future. So him and Devorah were just excited beyond belief. I mean, we almost couldn't talk for someone else talking and explaining. Pastor Massey says, you know, Stan, I've been doing this a long time. And I've never had a ministry ever require me to fast three days before I come to minister. He said, when I saw that, I knew this was going to be a powerful meeting. He says, and I absolutely love it. And his wife fasted three days, no food and no water to right. come into she, it. Yeah, she did a dry fast. Yeah, so wonderful lady. And and mm-hmm. a matter of fact, even in the conversation, everybody's talking, talking, talking. Of course, she understands a little English and she can talk a little English, but she mostly does. I think it Punjab or Punjabi or something from another language out of Pakistan. So I specifically turned to her and I said, Esther, what did you think? And so in her broken English, she said, this is fantastic. This is awesome. This is great. Best, best meeting, 
best meeting I ever see, you know, <laughs> best as she could. And Pastor Messias, he says, Stan, I've never seen it. Yeah, I've been in a lot of meetings. I've never seen the spirit flow like this. I've never seen a meeting so organized. I've never seen all the things that you do. He said, these people's lives were changed like I have never, ever seen in a meeting ever, ever before. So, I mean, I took that as some really big compliments from some very well-circulated ministers about the crusade. So in summary, my thought on the crusade, looking back, I mean, we can't control what God is going to do. He's going to do or he's going to not do what he wants to do. He will do all his pleasure. But I think that the people that came, as, as I said, and we all agreed, we did it right. We did the seed, the fasting. We believed in Dimitri. We did the Holy Spirit. We did the anointing. We did the baptism. We kept our meeting clean. We was, it was on the Word of God. Everything was correct for him to do what he wanted to do. Now, did he do what he wanted to do? I believe he did. Absolutely. I believe that he has now prepared us to be in the right place when he decides to start doing the sevenfold miracles. Not saying that the sevenfold miracles didn't show up, but I'm talking about something big enough to fill a sports stadium, something where college professors that have made fun of Christ and the Bible in the past will show up and get saved. Something to where atheists and agnostics and people of other faiths will show up and get saved. So it's kind of like, I likened it to this. I said, I remember seeing this movie, I think you call it Independence Day, where they had Area 51 had had this spaceship that they'd had since like back in the 1950s. And they said, but, you know, they basically couldn't get it open. They couldn't do anything with it. It just sat there. But when the mothership came near the earth, all of a sudden, everything turned on. All the lights lit up, and, and it was great. And I said, I think that it's going to be like we got 380 people out there that have now all been prepared, anointed, baptized in the Holy Ghost, baptized in water, cleaned up. They're all ready to go minister at the sports stadiums. And it's just they're waiting for God to call them. They're waiting to be activated. It's like a secret agent, and he's been placed out there waiting for the phone call that says, okay, we need you to go and do this. So we got 380 people, and they, they want to call themselves purple shirts. They said because they want to be an assistant. They want to be at these sports stadiums. They want to be a part of it. So in summary, I think that God did exactly what he wanted to do. Just as he told me, this is the start of the greatest miracle revival in American history. It's a start. It's not the sports stadium yet. It's not where it's going yet. But as he told me, as judgment hits, so will my miracles. Well, I don't know. Do you call the Notre Dame place burning judgment? Do you call tornadoes and hurricanes judgment? Or is it going to be something more like a civil war, an internal revolution, or a giant earthquake opening the Great Lakes up to the Gulf of Mexico? I don't know. All I know is everyone, everyone, I think, I, I'm thinking about what I'm saying. I'm asking you guys to, if you agree. I think everyone got at least one life-changing event. Many got two or three or, or maybe more. Would you agree? Absolutely. You know, these people became ministers 
and you could see them also ministering to each other. Mm. So it wasn't just the ministers that you know are anointed and have been anointed for a long time. As the fellowship grew, so did each person ministering to each other, and by far, God really did what he wanted to do in that that I think he did what he wanted to do. We put ourselves in the right position. We walked through the steps of Moses. We did everything that we were supposed to. And that's what Pastor Massey and Pastor uh, Maurice Galar said. You know, you guys did it right. You did this crusade right in every way you did it right. And he said, and God honored it. God honored it. Oh, absolutely. The anointing was there. I don't think there was a person, one, that received a single, whether it be baptism of the Holy Spirit uh, or the cleansing from the water baptism. Uh, There wasn't one person there that got just a single something. Everybody got at least two, three, if not more. And when you say more, you mean uh, a physical healing to the body. Uh, There were a lot of people there that, you know, we're hurting. These bodies are not perfect by any means. They're deteriorating, and there's just things that, that happen. But, uh, boy, howdy, the flow, the anointing, everything, it went just exactly the way God wanted it to go. Whether he manifested the what we would classify as a sevenfold miracle, maybe like we talked before, a sevenfold miracle to him is a healing within the heart something that we can't see with our physical eyes manifest, you know, in your spirit. But uh, this, like you said, Stan, this is the start. And so whether we needed those physical manifestations at the very start or not, they're to come. I'm totally at peace with what we did, and I'm totally excited about it. I know we've got 380 people out there that are totally totally dedicated to this ministry. I think I could call any one of them, and I would say, if if I were to say, look, I need you, we're having a meeting in Timbuktu, someplace, wherever, whatever, we need you to be there at what, and to do it for two or three or three, four nights or whatever, if there's any way they could do it, they'd be there. Yeah. They'd be there with a dedicated heart, a servant's heart, not for themselves, but to serve the Lord. We've got a sports stadium team of ministers now ready to go. We are now ready for the sports stadium. Hallelujah. I would agree. You, would you say? Yeah, and they wanted to be called the purple shirts. Well, yeah. those are the people that were there to serve. You know, they weren't saying, no, no, we want to be called some great thing. Mm-hmm. You know, they were still the right heart, the servant's heart, and that means a lot to God. I should also say, as we're up in the the minister's meeting after the crusade, so <laughs> Pastor Masi turned to, to me and he says, would you guys like to go to Malaysia? And actually, actually, Leslie and I had just been, I mean, like maybe in the last two weeks, just out of the blue. I mean, President Trump went to Malaysia. And so we've been talking, you know, that'd be a lot of fun. Boy, I'd like to go to Malaysia. I'd like to go to Singapore. So he says... Would you guys like to go to Malaysia? Leslie and I looked at each other and smiled and says, Yeah, as a matter of fact, we've just been talking we'd like to go to Malaysia. She, he says, Well, I've got this conference coming up. And he says, uh, Let me make a phone call. I think I can get you into that conference. He says, It's like 400 pastors from all over the Orient coming in for this big meeting. And he says, I'm going to be speaking. 
And uh, he says, I know that the stand, they'll want you to talk on prophecy. And I know that, Leslie, they'll want you to talk on the Kundalini spirit. He says, I mean, both of you are outstanding speakers. Uh, one word for me. And he said, you'll be in the conference. So sure enough, next morning he calls. He said, you're in. So now we're <laughs> we're trying to figure out how we're going to get the airfare because I guess we have to pay our own airfare, we have to pay our own hotel, and I don't know, you know, but it, it's like this. Just like the people that came to this meeting, you got to do things by faith. You got to do it by faith. So we'll go and do what God has called us to do. And I, I did remark this. I said, You're asking me if I want to go talk about Bible prophecy? I said, Absolutely. Where do I have to go? I'd love to go talk in Bible prophecy. And oh, by the way, it'd be nice if there was some people there. <laughs> <laughs> Getting tired of talking about it in a room with no one of the people, no one in the room. And I'm talking to a microphone. So yeah, it'd be nice if there's some people there. He said, yes, there'd be some people there. 400 pastors. I said, I would absolutely love it. So you know, most of them are going to show up being pre-trib, but that's okay. It doesn't bother me. I mean, I'll I'll help them to understand. Pastors need to understand this and you know matter of fact if if there's a pastor listening and i can't imagine a pastor possibly listening to this program but if there's a pastor listening i would love to come and speak at your church and i promise i won't offend anybody i don't even have to talk about the pre-trib rapture i can come and talk for hours and hours and hours and not even mention the the rapture at all matter of fact my book doesn't even have the word in it. the book has none of that in it none whatsoever it's about the end times. It's about helping them understand. Matter of fact, maybe we should take a few minutes to talk about the book. It's it's helping them to understand the last days. So since we've got a few minutes here, okay, so you've read now most of the book. You've heard me talk about it. Let's start with your comments on the book first. Well, it takes the fear away. It helps you understand. Uh, and when you digest this, this book, because there's so much information in it, uh, like the word says, it's etched into the tablets of your heart, uh, and it gives you that peace that passes all understanding. But you to, you have to put your heart into it. There's so much information, you just really have to to want it. Uh, if you don't want it, you're not going to get it. But it is very simple. It doesn't matter what your education. You will understand this book. There is nothing that is above anyone as far as understanding this book. One of the ladies that was in line at the book signing, she came up and she says, I have to tell you about your book. She says, so I am an avid reader. I mean, she says, I read a lot. I read a lot of books. She says, so I got your book and I took a little look at that skinny little book and I said, man, I knocked that out in three hours. That's nothing. She says, uh, two weeks later, <laughs> she says, I did not understand how you get so much information into that little skinny book. And so I began to explain to her. I said, well, I specifically had them make it on the thinnest paper they could put it on short of going to Bible paper because Bible paper right. is really thin. Right. I said, I don't want that because it's not very strong. But I said, very close to Bible. I wanted it thin so it would be easy to carry. I wanted it six by nine inches, so that's your average Bible size. That way they could carry it right along in the Bible, maybe just slip it in the back, especially if it was a zipper case. Carry it because it's going to be like 
a reference. Wouldn't you say it's like a reference? Absolutely. It's, something you're, it's not going to be a one-time read put on the no, shelf thing. No, no. But you're so, you're so truthful and transparent with the way that book's laid out. You don't have to have your Strong's Concordance and your Bible and mm-hmm. the book. Mm-hmm. You, you verify everything within the right book. There. And it's you include, right there. You include the actual Bible passage within the book in a lot right. of cases, mm-hmm. and that's very helpful so you're not going back and forth. Right, right. Uh, I also put it in double columns because many of the books we get today, I know I find myself getting to the end of a line and I find myself rereading the same line again. And so by double columns, it actually makes it easier to read. You don't find yourself rereading the same thing. Also, you can put more text on a page in dual column than a single column. So actually the edge of the paper is... It doesn't have that big white space all the way around the edge of the paper. It goes pretty close to the edge of the paper, dual column. The point is I'm trying to make it very thin and easy to carry. Also, the charts, and this is nothing that you can get it on Amazon, but I can tell you you're going to get black and white charts. The charts are half the size that they are in the version you get through Prophecy Club. You really want to order this through Prophecy Club. But on the back flap, it folds out to be a 12 by 9 size chart so you can actually read the chart because there's so much on it if it's just like a 6 by 9 it's very difficult to read so it's in a full color as a matter of fact my daughter which is a graphic artist got a hold of them so the second edition if you order them now you get the second edition printing and they are upgraded charts there was a couple of mistakes little typos which we fixed but main thing is they look better they're a lot easier to read than the first printing and the the one chart is talking about the seven seals seven trumpets and the seven vials seven seals play over seven years the seven trumpets play over seven months the seven vials play over the last seven days so it all charts it out so you can understand revelation as you go through this and i have several people that not familiar with prophecy at all, never read Revelation. So they read my book, they read Revelation, and I've asked like three people. I said, so what is it? Is it better to read Revelation and then my book or my book and then Revelation? What here? What's your comment? Oh, absolutely read the book. Just read the book and and process that thing. And then if you feel it necessary to, to read the book of Revelation, then – uh, then it's going to start popping at you. You'll go, oh, well, I read this. Oh, that's what this means. And everything, point for point for point, will just start to come together. Uh, one of the other comments I hear a lot is, I didn't know the feasts, or I didn't know the feasts that well, or the most common comment on the feasts is, I didn't understand how the feasts tie together with the prophecies. Yeah. Well, that is the point of the whole book. Because then you can put it in chronological order so you can understand it. And I think that the book came out at exactly the right time because now we're doing the Crusades. Now we we pray for people and anoint them to move from being prophecy student to becoming prophecy teacher. And I told them, I said, you get my book, you read and you study and you study and you read, you make sure you know that book. And I said, when you know what's in that book, you will not run across anyone that knows prophecy better than you. And it makes sense. So it's not like, it's not just head knowledge, right? And and that's the thing. I mean, it's it's called a book, but 
it's not just like, you know, I've been on the other side of the radio broadcast. And I've listened to these and this is not just like a book, like a lot of people are, are making books and, and, you know, trying to get people to read their books. It's not like your normal book. It's much more about the content that's that's written in this book. It almost could be called a manual or yeah. or uh, or a you know a secret door, right? I mean, it is it's opening up revelation. And so, you know, when Stan says book, understand that what he's really trying to do is open up to you the simplicity of the understanding of what's in Revelation so you can really understand what it's all about. I will say this, like like the prophecy said, that God has put a lock on a word in Revelation, and he's going to open that lock, and that word is first fruits, and he says, and you're going to write a book, and this guy didn't know I'd written a book at the time, and he said, and that book is going to make many other books on the end times obsolete. And I think this does. Now, I'm not going to sit here and be so arrogant and selfish and crazy to say this is the best book on prophecy, but I will say that probably it will make most other prophecy books obsolete because he showed me, well, the secret door. I mean, you read this, and for the first time in your life, I mean, I wish I'd had this book 20 years ago. I wish I'd have had it. I wish I'd have just had the fact that the seven trumpets play over seven years, yep. the seven excuse me, the seven seals play over seven years, seven trumpets, seven years, seven vials, seven days, that would have been right. huge in my understanding. And that was just one and that was an audible voice. That was a one of the thirty revelations. And that's what the book is really about. It's and that's the difference, because it's not my my opinions on most things. It's about the thirty revelations that I got. And one of the re- I mean, there's all kinds of prophecy books out there, but most of them are all man's opinion. This is what I think this means. And don't get me wrong, we all still got to have a little of that because until God gives us everything and he hasn't given everything, he probably won't get everything to any one person. But I think it's safe to say this book probably has the largest percentage of what God is really saying about the last days in it. Absolutely. So is it safe to say you didn't necessarily write this book so much with your intellect as your heart? This was something that the Lord gave you through the dreams and visions, the understanding of. All right, you said, I'll put it this way. David, you said that after you got anointed, all of a sudden you began to feel the anointing that you'd never felt before, correct? Absolutely. And that anointing is guiding you into a yes or a no. At least you know when you got the anointing, you got a yes. That's what happened to me in the book. See, because I'd like to be able to say just memorizing Revelation took me to a new level. It didn't. Writing the book where I had to stay hour after hour after hour praying, Lord, what do I put in? And there was some things I wanted to put in the book. Now I got a yawn for it. He said, no, don't put that in there. Um, So I didn't put it in there. Um, but as long as I felt that anointing, as I was typing, and I just felt it just hit me now, I mean, my fingers were flying like lightning. I had a supernatural understanding. I had a supernatural memory. I, it's like I could connect things. As I go back and read the book in, in the Friday night Bible study, I look down and say, I don't remember writing that. I, 
I, how did I say that? How did oh, I she's fixing that? to say, is that not right. confirmation that it wasn't so much Stan Johnson right. as it was the Lord? Right. And again, let me make this clear. I'm not saying it's on the level of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Right. I'm saying it is not. It is not the Word of God. Right. I'm not saying it's the Word of God. But, but I am saying it's not Stan Johnson either. It, it is definitely inspired above me. And I hear that comment a lot. Mm -hmm. The people out there know that Revelation is locked. If you've read it, you know it's locked for the generation for whom it was meant. And this, I believe, is God unlocking it. So if, if you've been waiting for God to unlock a book that just seems impossible, well, then I think that this might be your answer, and you should really prayerfully consider really studying what God is saying in it. One for 20, five for 30, 10 for 55 at prophecyclub.com. And now we have a new case price, 60 books in a case for $250 gift. That's one for 20, don't do that. Five for 30, 10 for 55. You want to have extra copies to give away. Best deal is get a case of them. That's about four bucks a book. Case of 60 for a gift of $250. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your prayers. And thank you for those gifts of support. God bless. At WatchProphecyClub.com, you can have instant access to over 200 titles on a recurring monthly subscription of $20 or yearly for $200 at WatchProphecyClub.com. That's $6,000 worth of information at WatchProphecyClub.com. That's WatchProphecyClub.com. <laughs>